blog, it's fake democracy. We're going up the wrong way, we're going to have to stop. Critics of a secret wars, they can't expose them all. We're going up the wrong way, we're going to have to stop. Welcome to episode 43 of the Cake Watch podcast, the podcast with 24 days left until sunny uplands. With me, Chris Kendall, um, a European Union civil servant um, who is just doing this podcast to talk about Brexit. And uh, with me is not Steve. He's having another week out, uh, another um, short break. Um, enjoy your break, Steve. Stay well. Uh, instead, with me is Jim Cornelius. Hello. <laughs> Hi, Chris. Twitter legend. Well, thank you. Tariff guru. Accidental tariff nerd is what I call myself, yeah. Yeah. And we've been having... This is the first time we've actually spoken in the flesh, so to speak, um, having known each other on Twitter for ages. Um, and I can see him, dear listener, in my on my screen. It doesn't look anything like his profile picture, but then nor do I. So It's that, it's that moustache, isn't it? I'm, I'm, I've shaved it off. That's, what you, that's what's different. So the first bit of follow-up is... Again, shamelessly stealing from Romaniacs. But your emails. So they had a segment called But Your Emails for a bit where they answered people's emails. But I think they stopped doing it. Uh, why, why, why have I got this? Because I realised the other day that I had not checked the official Cakewatch email address for literally months. And so I went and I had a look at it. <laughs> I wouldn't say 100, but literally dozens of emails from people with suggestions and feedback and comments and questions. And we just basically, we hadn't answered, we hadn't even looked at any of them. We just ignored them all, which was really, really shitty. Uh, so I, I'm putting this right up top of the podcast to say, look, really sorry about that. That's basically just because I'm incredibly lazy and I hate email. <laughs> um, so I'm really sorry about that. If it, but rest assured that I have now read everybody's emails Steve hasn't because I haven't given him access to the email address. <laughs> but I, I have, and um, you know, do feel free to keep sending your emails. Just be aware that I probably won't read them for another few months. Uh, but um, no, we we really do enjoy getting the feedback. The best feed, best way to get feedback to us is directly to either me, Autocrat, or to Steve Guitar Move on Twitter. Though I guess we're not sure about Steve at the moment. <laughs> so me, basically. Um, next bit of follow up uh, just shout out to Fluffy Logic uh, he knows why nobody else needs to know why I uh, just promised him that um, <laughs> then a bit of follow up on um, the conversation that I had last week with Steve so interestingly uh, what we did was we, we did a normal podcast and then for the last sort of 45 minutes or so we talked about Steve and um, his decision to pull back from Twitter. Um, and it was, I thought it was a really interesting conversation that we had. And eventually, in the way that we usually do when we have these conversations, we, we kind of forgot that we were recording a podcast and we just had a chat. And, um, and we got some really good feedback for it, actually. It seemed actually that that part of the podcast was more interesting to people than the usual <laughs> Brexit stuff that we do. Um, 
I don't really know what to say except that, um, yeah, I mean, it, 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 it's, it's a tough time. And, 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 and yeah, Steve's coming from one place and I'm coming from a different place. And Jimmy, you and I had a quick chat about this beforehand because we've also lived through um, various online communities and, and how they evolve, haven't we? Uh, yeah, that's right. I was, I was saying that I, I used to be um, quite active in the sceptic community. Um, I used to run the local Skeptics in the pub here in Lewis. And um, on a broader scale, you know, I'd interact with people from all around the world involved in debunking claims about uh, faith healers and um, homeopaths and uh, creationists and all that kind of thing that Skeptics are interested in. And, um, you know, it seemed like a movement, but then what what you found is that people had all sorts of different opinions about all sorts of other things and it just ended up with people arguing with each other um and you know i'm not sure you can identify that as a movement and i think with brexit it's a sort of similar thing because we're, we're all united by one the remainers we're all united by the fact that we don't like brexit and we'd rather brexit didn't happen but uh, you know other than that we've got all sorts of opinions and all sorts of other things and uh, you mentioned about terry christian you know i don't i don't feel um that I have to align myself what, with what, what he said, or anybody else for that matter. Hmm. Yeah. So, you know, so, so I, I, I don't feel that I necessarily said everything that I wanted to say in the conversation that I had with Steve last week, but we, we've had some subsequent um, discussion about it um, on Twitter, and, and um, in particular I wanted to talk about my experience, which is similar to yours, though mine was on a video gaming forum, but... Right. but um, uh, an experience where you you know you go through that first flush of excitement where you establish a community of like-minded friends and get to know people and you form genuine you know relationships that can be actually extremely strong um, but over time you know you've been brought together uh, you know from all sorts of different backgrounds and, and you have different interests and and and, and also you know the, the medium of of, of of electronic communication, of online communication, is, is not really conducive. You, you lose a lot. You know, you lose a lot of the body language and the normal social cues and so on. And so it's very easy for um, offence to be taken and for drama to escalate. And, um, yeah, we're seeing a bit of that with the... With the yeah, with you, you, you sort of see camps develop, um, yeah. different little groupings. Um, and, um, yeah, I, I tried to stay out of that kind of thing. I mean, there's 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 been, I, I don't know if I should name people, but there's, there's been a few people who have quit it, not quit 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 Twitter, but have, mm. have just disappeared from 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 Twitter, possibly banned. Um, and um, there's been a lot of talk about what's gone on with with those people, and I, I as I say, I tried to stay out of it really. Yeah, me too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's my philosophy too. But um, yeah, ultimately, you know, Remain brings together all these different people. But we're not, you know, we, we didn't sign up to anything. We didn't sign a contract. We, we didn't sign a manifesto. We're just no. all here because we want to stop Brexit. Yeah, exactly. I right. speak for me and nobody else. And if, if people want to uh, follow me on Twitter, then they can. And if they don't, then they don't have to. Yep. So that, that's how I see it, really. Yeah, totally. So, agree. Um, but just the one thing I want there. So there was, there was loads of feedback, really good feedback. Uh, so the one I've just pulled out is um, a couple of tweets here from Matt Taylor, um, because I thought I felt he spoke for me because he said um, he said you know for the record I'd, I'd felt quite seduced by the whole sack leavers first argument, 
But Steve's clear, logical explanation of why it's so wrong-headed immediately made me realise I was making a mistake. We need his analysis. I, I agree with you, meaning me, just state your position and screw him. So this really spoke to me too. I mean, I, I, I also, you know, when I initially heard Terry Christian, I was like, yeah. Well, I, I kind of, I thought it was funny. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. think my my wife is actually a, a, a fan of Terry Christian and the stuff that he tweets. Yeah. And, uh, she, she was found it hilarious. Um, but, you know, I, 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 I don't know whether, I think a lot of people took it very seriously. Um, yeah. I suppose it got him publicity because he ended up being in, um, on on TV debating with uh, Tim Martin, I believe, and and possibly yeah. that's possibly that's a good thing. I don't know. Well, I don't know that it's necessarily a bad thing. Exactly. Mm. I mean, I you know, um, I think what what Steve particularly objected to was the fact that then the his he he was invited to go and write a piece for the New European. Yeah. Um, yes. Uh, and, and and you know, and, and Steve was saying, well, New European is effectively our, our organ, our mouth, the, the the movement's mouthpiece. Well, I don't. Firstly, it's no. not. No. Uh, it's, it is just what it is. And secondly, let's not forget that the New European is basically start is basically staffed by by tabloid journalists, and they yeah they they're from that school of journalism. So they're gonna they're gonna you know they're gonna bite Terry Christian's arm off if he, if he's gonna give them this kind of copy, you know. So let's you know, let's let's keep keep that in perspective. Yeah. But um yeah, Matt Taylor follows his tweet up by saying. He reckons that Steve is going to return when we're at our lowest ebb, like Gandalf the fucking white. <laughs> I like that. I thought mm. that was great. So, yeah, thanks, Matt. Right, final piece of follow-up. Um, um, we, we are, uh, I keep, uh, as I said, we're a cake podcast, sort of, um, and we talked about cakeism quite a lot in the first sort of two or three episodes, and then we kind of drifted off. But um, let's come back to cake. We always need to come back to cake. So James Harris... Um, on Twitter as James Harris now has launched a, a, ha- a hashtag called 28 Cakes Later and it's a, a sort of advent calendar of cake uh. leading to Brexit Day and to, and to mark 29 days to Brexit he's decided to post a picture of 28 European cakes one for each mem- EU member state and he starts out I've got to say he leads very strongly with leaving himself very little room to go very little space to go anywhere after this because he leads with um, the Black Forest Gatto so you know I, somehow I, I knew it was going to be Black Forest Gatto <laughs> where do you go from yeah. Black Forest Gatto yeah quite <laughs> I, would, I would have kept yeah. that for the end but you know, I don't know yeah, yeah what, what's, do you like what's, Black Forest you like, I love you it you like it Jim I do I'm just wondering what he's going to do for the UK he's, he's going to do the UK we talked for 28 days isn't it well, in his bio, he says he's a comedian, so he's probably got something hilarious lined up for day 28. Yeah. It'll be something, an upside-down cake or something tremendously, I don't know. Yeah. yeah. It'll be interesting to see. Cool. Anyway, um, enough of all that. Let's um, crack on with um, what we're here for, which is to talk to you about tariffs. Okay. <laughs> but, so, Jim, listen, tell us a bit about yourself. Um Right. What, why did you come to be doing this? What's your What's your background? Uh, well, it's nothing to do with trade, for starters, <laughs> and nothing to do with tariffs. Um, I'm a software engineer, and um, I started using Twitter in uh, something like 2010. Um, and I suppose I used Twitter what most people kind of used it in those days for, just idle chat and, and trying to find out what uh, Stephen Fry was talking about. Um, but then I, I, I found myself um, in debate, in fact, 
uh, with um, a Tory councillor, um, a local Tory councillor. Um, and uh, we ended up arguing about NHS cancer survival rates. Uh, mm-hmm. So again, so this is nothing to do with what we're talking about now, but this is this is the route that we got how we how how I got there, and um, uh, she made claims about uh, poor performance in the NHS, and I produced figures to show that basically what she was saying was wrong, and she ended up calling me a village idiot, and she said that I should die of cancer if uh, if I love the NHS, and uh, <laughs> and this ended up uh, being on the local news. And ended up uh, in the local newspaper, and also it was picked up by the Rotten Boroughs column in uh, Private Eye. <laughs> and I was just—I was just thinking recently, actually, that it shows you how things have moved on because that wouldn't raise no. an eyebrow at all these days. But then it was a big thing that a local councillor was um, dissing a, a constituent. Uh, yeah, so, it wouldn't even touch the sides now, would it? <laughs> no, no. So that was that was sort of early on in Twitter, but that that you know that. I kind of went off Twitter after that for a while. Yeah. Uh, but then with, with Brexit, I, I kind of picked it up again yeah. and ended up kind of using it the way I had been to argue with people, I suppose. And yeah. um, with the whole tariff thing, how that came about, was uh, actually through Steve Analyst, I have to say, because um, mm. uh, he was responding to a tweet by Liam Fox, or it might be a report of what Liam Fox was saying via Faisal Islam mm. and um, it was um, this talk about coffee tariffs yeah. and the claim that uh, all these African countries had to pay a 7.5% tariff on roasted coffee because the EU um, escalates the tariff on um, processed products so that there's a zero tariff on uh, raw beans, green beans. And then for roasted beans, there's a 7.5% tariff. And the argument was that this was to stop African countries from um, processing and uh, getting value out of, the, out of their product. Now, I, I, did, I don't know where, but I had I'd known previously that there was this thing, EBA, which is everything but arms, for yeah. the least developed countries. And I knew that most African countries were on this EBA. And so, for, yeah. and so that they didn't actually have any tariff. Um, but what I didn't know, and this is what, where Steve comes in, is he found out where um, the, the, the claim that these African car- countries were paying this tariff came from. And it was from an article by a, uh, an African-American economist called uh, Calestus Juma. And he'd written an article which had been picked up by CapEx. And mm. that had subsequently been picked up by James Cleverly. And he stated on the platform, the Leave UK, or uh, vo- sorry, Vote Leave platform, that um, that this was the case and that African countries were paying this tariff. Um, so when it came on Twitter, and as I say, Steve um, saw this thread by Faisal Islam, or yeah, it must have been Faisal Islam, um, he he put the two and two together about about uh, the Cholesterol Tumor article, and he wrote a fantastic thread on that. I remember that. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of picked up on that, and and where it where it where you guys picked up on it from me was where um, uh, Nadine Dorries uh, was yeah. retweeting a video from Jacob Rees-Mogg, who was saying the same thing. Um, and I just thought, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually look at each country in Africa and see what their tariff is. So I looked each one up, 
Um, I think I looked at the coffee producers first and I just said, okay, so we've got Ethiopia, 0%. Uh, we've got Ghana, 0%. We've got, uh, you know, I just went through them all, really, hmm. all 52 uh, African countries. And hmm. um, and that, that kind of hit a, a kind of critical mass of retweeting mm. I, I suppose and that's where and that's yeah. where it all started and then so so you know I, I had no real um expertise or interest in in tariffs or trade particularly but I had been moaning about various EU things or rather Brexit things um and then uh, uh, oh yes I'll I tell you where where it sort of moved on from there was where um someone else came to me and said oh you should write a thread about oranges yeah um yeah. And I, I sort of resisted that for a while because I knew it was quite complicated um, because there have been various people saying, no, this 16% is not right and South Africa tariffs is not right, etc. Um, so I thought, okay, eventually I thought, okay, I better look at this. And I looked at it in detail and then I, I wrote, well, I've written hundreds of threads probably now, but I wrote, I wrote a thread mm -hmm. on that in, in the detail of it. Um, and it all came back to this um, article um, in Brexit Central, which said that there'd been a quintupling of tariffs in October of 2016 for South Africa because, the article said, um, some Spanish farmers had complained. And so the EU, in, in response to this complaint, had, had whacked the tariffs up to 16%. Um, the reality of that is that every year, and it's... and and. You can go back as far as you like. And in fact, I found out that the UK used to do this even before they were in the, the EEC. Every year, the mm. tariffs on oranges change seasonally. Uh, and it mm. coincides with um, the production season in, in, um, in Europe. Um, yeah. And with respect to South Africa, they're obviously in the Southern Hemisphere. So um, under the terms of the trade agreement with South Africa, um, the tariff on South African oranges for virtually the whole of the season for the Southern Hemisphere is zero yeah. under the terms of the yeah. free trade agreement. But there is a little period at the end, um, at the middle of October to uh, the end of November, which is an overlap with the European season. Yeah. And under the terms of the free trade agreement, uh, this would normally be a 16% tariff, but it's been reduced um, uh, over a period of nine years to zero. Um, and basically Dan Lewis, who is the guy who wrote the Brexit Central article, and there's one of the economists for free trade who wrote a kind of follow-up article, they hadn't got a clue about this. They didn't understand what was going on, and they just saw the thing saying, oh, it was 3%, now it's 16%. Oh, yeah. it must be because of this. And you, you just find hundreds and hundreds of people now retweet this article. I mean, every day yeah. uh, people yeah. are retweeting this article or some follow-up articles or other articles that um, are using the information from this article. And it's the same with the coffee as well. People are retweeting yeah. that. And it's been published in um, various newspapers, or at least online it has. And these things never die. They just go on mm. and on and on. It's like whack-a-mole trying to deal with all these yeah. threads um, or, or tweets from, from people who, who just you know hear it and repeat it and repeat it. And, and I end up arguing the toss on Twitter about it. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. No, but I mean, that, that, it's amazing that you do that. I mean, what 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 is it that keeps you doing it? I mean, I, I can't. I, ultimately, I mean, I sort of did that in a very. I mean, I, you know, three or four times, 
I just went off on one and posted a massive tweet about EU democracy in, this, yes. in the way that I did a podcast about about it too, um, one of our early podcasts. But Christ, I can't do it with everyone that pop. I can't. I just can't. I haven't got the energy. How do you do it? Uh I don't know. I'm I'm just obsessive about it. I suppose. I, I just I, I I don't like bullshit. I mean, you know, as I said, I was involved in the skeptics movement. I really don't yeah. like lies. I don't like people uh, conning people, um, and and this kind of thing. And I just I just I I, I don't know. I, just, I don't see it as a chore. I do I do enjoy um, enjoy it. even even if the person I'm talking to, or, or rather responding to, even if I know that they're probably. A, a, a troll or a Russian bot or something, I think. Well, other people are going to read this, you know, yeah. and and that that encourages me. And quite often, to be honest, I'm I'm, I'm reposting stuff that I've posted elsewhere, yeah. and perhaps rephrasing it, and perhaps correcting any minor errors that I might have yeah. uh, might yeah. have had before. Um, so I'm learning all the time doing it. Yeah. And um, and I've learned about you know, I've I've learned about this area that I I had no interest in what whatever before and uh the, the the thing that astonishes me the most is that people now come to me yeah as if i am an, i'm an expert i mean i i cannot well, claim to be an expert really i I know a lot about a very narrow thing um that look, most people know nothing about and that makes me look like an expert uh, but i haven't but, yeah, studied okay. it well you say that Jim, but you have <laughs> haven't you i mean you haven't had a you haven't sat there with a with a professor or a no. tutor and an official sort of degree at the end of it with exams, but I mean, no. you have studied. It. I mean, what I was going to ask you: where, where do you get the info? Where you just you just research it online? I pretty much research it online. There's 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 some stuff that I um, I've struggled to find, like uh, looking at the historical perspective of this and um, looking at some old tariff schedules from before we joined the EU and stuff like that. And there's very little of that online in fact there's a, you know there's a couple of there's a couple of things in the national archives uh, that are published like old um uh, uh updates to the tariff schedule and and there's lots missing on that not, they've not been digitized and and that's quite annoying um so th- i have uh, purchased a few old books on you know um a books secondhand books um <laughs> to help with that kind of thing um but most of it, it most that's of the stuff amazing. is online um yeah shall we talk about Daniel Kaczynski, if that's the right way to say his surname. <laughs> D.K. Shrewsbury. D.K. Shrewsbury. MP, oh, the Tory MP for Shrewsbury. Yeah. yeah. Daniel Kaczynski, yeah. Yeah. Should we talk yeah. about him then? Pol- Polish expat extraordinaire, yeah. Yeah. So he um, he stood in Tesco's, I think it was, uh, holding a pair of lemons. Uh, <laughs> and he said something like, uh, because of the EU, these lemons um, cost us... 10% more or something. I can't remember exactly what he said in the tweet, but it basically was inferring that there was a tariff on them. Yeah. And um, it was quite fortunate that he did that when it, well, from my perspective, it was fortunate that he did that when he did, because just the week before, literally the week before, I'd gone around all the supermarkets in Brighton taking photographs of various fruit and veg um, yeah. that I knew was imported under either um, a trade preference or under a free trade agreement. So uh, when he tweeted this, um, him standing next to the lemons, um, I had already on my hard drive a photograph of uh, some South African lemons because I knew at this time of year that's where they came from. And so I responded with that as the first tweet in the thread. And then the next one was some oranges, which were from um, South Africa again at this time of year. 
and then some lemons and lemon and limes and I knew that the limes came from Mexico under a free trade agreement and then um, like uh, uh, various other fruit and veg pineapples and uh, what else was there um, a mango and all sorts yeah. of things just one after the other that I knew was was under a free trade agreement so basically the entire aisle that he was stood in there virtually everything in it is entering the EU or in the UK under a free trade agreement on a zero percent tariff um, and that went a bit mad that 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 oh, got it was retweeted beautiful. <laughs> how many did it how many did it get in the end oh I've no idea it was several thousand anyway it was brilliant um, and it got picked up by the press it got picked up it, it, yeah it got picked up it by was ITV poke, wasn't it? it was, it was in it? the poke yeah ITV the website <laughs> not on the TV and also the metro uh, oh, and uh, yeah there was some great write-ups of it and um, and of course you picked it up on the show and yeah. uh, and on this show on this podcast yeah. and you mentioned something which which uh, had me in stitches actually because you were talking about <laughs> this 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 other sort of addendum that I did to the thread where yeah. uh, because one of the things he said was that uh, it was inefficient uh, EU producers uh, were yeah. causing us yeah. to have this tariff <laughs> and so <laughs> you know in Almira in Spain um, there's a there's a whole peninsula uh, southern yeah. Spain where they produce uh, fruit and veg in uh, polytunnels um, yeah. And uh, it's vast, and that's what I said yeah. in my tweet. It's it's absolutely vast. And so the first photograph I did was from the top of a hill, and looking over the hill, yeah. and you could just see endless stream of polytunnels. And then the next yeah. one um, from Google Earth, and you could see the peninsula at the, su- the southern tip of Spain. And then the very next one, saying it really, really is incredibly vast, and it was from the ISS, so you could see the solar panel. <laughs> and uh and then this little white section at the south of, south of spain um and uh yeah I, that amused me when i did it and i specifically looked for an image with the iss in it i thought there must be somewhere somewhere and i got got one i thought fantastic it's incredible that you got it it was incredible it was so funny and it was just it was such because it one of those you know it's one of those perfect comedy moments because not only does he immediately get corrected but you don't stop kicking the guy, you know. You like you don't stop it. You, it it's just brutal. It's constant kick him, yeah. kick him down, down. And you know what did he say? He said, um, "Yeah, he, he, the EU producers are inefficient, and that's why they yep. insist on these protection, protectionist tariffs." And you're like, yep. "No, there's no protectionist tariffs, and these are the most efficient agro industries in the world by a massive order of magnitude." Yep. And look, you can see them from space. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it was perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they, they don't, they don't, they don't live in the real. I mean, they don't, they they don't want to know the reality. They don't know the reality. They don't want to know the reality. They, they, they. No. they it's again. I, 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 I've been talking a lot about this recently because I, I think that you know. Well, you're a software engineer, so you know the principle yep. of garbage in, garbage out. Uh, sure. You know, and, and it's exactly the same in policy. You know what? If you if you're telling yourself lies, if you're not being honest with yourself about the world, about your about your policy area, then the policy that you make is going to be garbage. It's it's just yeah. not going to be good. And and the UK has suffered from this for a very long time in its EU policy because it, it wants to believe that the EU is something other than it is. And this is a yeah. not an ERG problem. It's not a Fleet Street problem. It's a UK problem. And I've seen this in Whitehall up, up, up close. The whole of Whitehall is, even the very good people, still, they want to tell themselves that the EU isn't 
a project isn't political. It's really just a mercantile transactional block, you know? If, if, there, if, there, if there's a positive to, to all of this horrible shit show uh, and, and, and the new, this new world of social media, which is so full of disinformation and bullshit and, and tribalism and polarisation, it's that, you know, anybody can do this. The citizen and activist. Yes, it's the citizen activists and it's people coming from nowhere yeah. who choose to do this, yeah. inform themselves, and anybody with access to the internet, with a brain, and with you know the drive, uh, and a talent for presenting the, this information, for distilling it and presenting it, can rise to the top. And you, know, you, you Jim, have ended up... Um, not only have you been... Um, written about in newspapers and um, uh, rightly you know, gone viral with your unbelievable takedown of Daniel <laughs> Kaczynski. But also, you know, you, you are now, are you not an associate fellow or, or uh, you have an academic title with Sussex University? It doesn't, it, it doesn't really mean a great deal. It means I have access to a University of Sussex email address and I, I might help with some of their research. Um, so no, I mean, it, it does. It does. Yeah. You should, how can you? How can you deny it? I mean, it's amazing. It, it is amazing. I mean, I mean, um, this is the thing I find the most amazing is is because you know there are people who follow me on Twitter, who are, you know, well, the European editor of the Daily Telegraph, you know, <laughs> and various people in the EU, EU Commission, and various trade experts on Twitter that we all know. Um, yeah. and and they come to me and they ask me questions yeah. um, and they they know far more than me about the whole system but on perhaps this very niche area then I, I you know I'm the person to come to now um, but no, it, I, I really do think that you know you should you should you, you should um, you, you're very modest but you, sh- you shouldn't you shouldn't um, belittle this thing that that, you, that you've done I mean and I, I love this um, about about Twitter because um, about Twitter remain or remain Twitter because there are a number of individuals that I think in hindsight will be shown to have absolutely moved things yeah. whether or not we do ultimately save this um, and stop Brexit or, or, or in, a, in some other way um, influence the future direction of all of this I think I think it's indisputable that Remain Twitter has been part yeah. of a movement that has shifted the, the, the dark yeah. quite considerably, and that's down to people. I mean, it is down to people like you. It really is because you, what you've done is you've come into this, and you've 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 you've, you've sighed through all the bullshit that we get from the sort of more formal media and politicians and so on, and you've just presented incontrovertible facts yeah. to people that keep peddling as bullshit and nonsense. Yeah, yeah. And then you've made it impossible for them to, to weasel out of it. Well, I, w- I wish that was the case. I wish I wish it, it, it was genuinely the case. But we still find people going on um, the BBC um, and saying things that we know are not true. And we had, we had a case of that uh, recently. I'm not sure maybe we should leave this for the liar segment. But um, I was going to bring up... Um, Ian Duncan Smith, who was talking about. Yeah. So, what was he saying? He was on Bloomberg, I think. Uh, uh, yes, he was saying that a majority. Here, I've got it right here. 
A vast majority, the vast majority want to get out now, even if they voted Remain, and most people are happy with a no-deal Brexit, he said. I mean, it's just... It's just it, it's completely opposite of what the polls show. The, the, yes. the polls all show that the level of support for Remain has been increasing. And in fact, it's, Leave has not been ahead in the polls since, I think, June or August, June, July or August uh, 2017. Yeah. Um, and the majority of people, according to the, the UKIP, sorry, what am I saying? Good grief. According to the YouGov poll uh, from January of this year, the majority of people want a second referendum. Yeah, exactly. But that, <clears throat> so Ian Duncan Smith, um, I think, I think, I think, I think that definitely deserves lie of the week, honestly. I mean, it's just yep. such a barefaced lie. Um, but, you know, he can say stuff like that. But what's happening is that... But he doesn't get challenged on it. Well, no, but he he doesn't. I mean, that, and that is a, is a shocking indictment of um, much of journalism. But even the fact that he he says it and, and doesn't get challenged on it doesn't, doesn't work because people are instantly jumping on it and correct. And, and uh, they're seeing well, through it. Well, so, we are. We are. But but it's it's this uh, this thing of it's much easier to lie than correct a lie. You know, there's a lot of effort that needs to go into correcting a lie. Um, and th- th- I always f- I find that worrying. But, I you know, I try my best to, to counter that. Um, well, what you do is, I mean, so so we've got it, it, you're right that it, it is worrying that you've got echo chambers and you've got polarization. So uh, in a way. Um, we can we can out these lies as much as we like, but the people are going to believe it are going to believe it, and you know when yeah. they're not going to be shifted. But it is important that within our community, within within our people, if you like, um, we are getting the arguments to people that they can then deploy in their private lives with each other. But also, it's, it's like you said, you know, you're followed now by. Um, some pretty senior journalists and politicians yeah. and increasingly what I've felt happen over the last year is that you've seen people who might previously have been keeping their head down as we approach the abyss they're coming out and they're talking and they're saying things and they've obviously been influenced yeah. by like the work that you do so you know a lot yeah. of people are now popping up um, having been quiet to date they're now popping up and saying, "No, this 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 isn't this yeah. isn't okay. Yeah. We can't yeah. we can't we can't go on like this." Yeah. And if if we hadn't, if people like you hadn't been out there constantly saying, "This is a lie. This is yeah. not true," they wouldn't be doing that. No, I think you're right, and 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 that is one of the, the sort of gratifying things of of doing these tweets is that I do see people referring to me or referring to my threads, and uh, not only that, but posting. Uh, stuff themselves you know the, I mean there are, there, are, there are guys out there who have looked at the stuff that I've done and they've they've done even more than I've done um, yeah. you know there's uh, a guy uh, uh, Mac Puck is his Twitter handle Jim Jim Grace and he's done some fantastic work he looked at all of the uh, EU laws um, that uh, everybody hates, presumably, you know, they all moan about the EU laws and they can't name a single one. And he looked at every one that the UK had not uh, voted for, and there are 72. Yeah. And, um, you know, every one of them are ones that you wouldn't you wouldn't disagree with, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's done that, and he's looked at some of the tariff stuff that I've done. And there's another guy, uh, Eugene Lynch, 
and um, he's looked at all of the stuff that's been imported uh, under the various tariff regimes and he came out with the graph that shows that 87.2% of all the goods imported into the UK come in tariff free yeah. uh, because of either, either it's under yeah. um, it comes in through the EU or it comes in through a country we've got a free trade agreement with yeah. or it comes in under, uh, under a tariff rate yeah. quota or it's just goods that are zero rated anyway um, yeah. So he's done that. There are other people who've done similar things, you know, and they've sort of picked up the baton and ran with it, you know, yeah. and I think that's fantastic. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, Jim, um, so I'm just looking at um, Twitter here and um, Steve is sending me direct messages um, asking me what to ask you. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> he's, 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 so there's, there's talk again. There's a report in Sky here that um, James Patrick has linked to that um, the government is going to slash up to 90% of trade tariffs if the UK leaves the EU with no deal. Yeah. yeah. So, so that, that's horrifying to anybody who understands. Yes. Yes. But, but to, let's talk about why. Okay. Um, I suppose there's three areas where it's problematic. And, and the most obvious, the first one is... Um, uh, domestic producers. So, um, Daniel uh, Grozobinski gives a, a fantastic example, I think. He says, uh, if you look at a producer of mugs in Stoke, um, yeah. and let's say they can produce a, a posh mug for £11.50, and that's yeah. how much they sell it for. If there's a 12% tariff on mugs, um, sorry, rephrase that if they can produce it for, for 12, 12 pounds um, and let's say a, Ch- a Chinese factory can produce a similar mug for 11 pound 50 if yeah. there's a 12% tariff on that mug that can make a great deal of difference to them it can be a difference between profit and them going bust yeah. but at the end of the day that mug is going to sell in Harrods for 40 pounds and um, you know to the consumer it's going to make no difference whatsoever yeah. So it's really problematic for a, for a producer if that tariff was eliminated, uh, and a very very little gain to the consumer. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one aspect of it. Um, the second is to do with um, developing countries. So at the moment, um, developing countries, uh, and I think we talked briefly about this earlier, um, under everything but arms. They're mm. on 0% tariffs for everything apart from guns. Mm. Um, and there are some of the ACP countries who are on the um, economic partnership agreements, which also give them uh, 0% tariff access to EU markets and the UK market, obviously. Um, so if you slash tariffs, then that margin that they have, you're eliminating that margin as well. Um, mm. So... Um, um, Goods from Bangladesh, for example, uh, they, they supply us with a great deal of um, uh, apparel, clothes. Mm. Mm. Um, they're going to be keep competing. They would be competing on an equal footing with China if we slash the tariff mm. on, on clothes um, to zero. Mm. Um, and the third area is that you're destroying your leverage for making free trade agreements. Mm. Um, yeah, exactly. If you, if you want to make a free trade agreement with um, 
Costa Rica. We ha we have a trade agreement with Costa Rica with the EU, but I'm just going to use them mm. for, as an example. Um, if you want to, you want to have a tr trade agreement with them. They want to sell us pineapples and mangoes mm. and things like that, and we want to sell them engines and jam, I suppose, and mm. <laughs> and things that we <laughs> yeah. produce. <laughs> so it's a, there's a quid pro quo of, of you going to negotiations, and they say, okay, you know, we'll slash our tariffs on the things that you produce, and 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 vice mm. versa. And mm. you, you're immediately destroying that that leverage. So then, if we have to then go into a trade deal with someone else, we have to make concessions on other things, perhaps. Yeah. Um, so you're you're giving up an advantage, which is is crazy. <laughs> but I suppose the thing is, the problem we're going to have is that if we're a no deal, then if if the UK didn't do that, then immediately um, all the goods from the EU that we import uh, would face the same tariffs that we're on now. If they were imported yeah. from any country that were, we don't have a free trade agreement with, yeah. and and that is that would be catastrophic. So it's really between a rock and a hard place uh, if, exactly. it's, if it's a no deal. Either yeah. we keep the tariffs and have huge tariffs on imports from the EU, um, or we we zero the tariffs and we have the, the problems that I mentioned earlier. Yeah. So so either way so if you so there there are there are two groups of people who are affected one um in the uk that is yep. one is the producer yeah and one is the consumer yes so if you're a producer how how would um how would a uk zero tariff help you the producer well it might it might help you source raw materials, raw materials, or, yes, or, or components. But most of those um, are probably on zero tariff anyway. Um, most of them are on um, MFN zero tariff anyway. Yeah. And let's not forget, um, it's not necessarily the tariff that is going to hit you the hardest here. It is a the exchange rate. Yes. Um, ch the change in the exchange rate, because I mean, whatever you lose, whatever you gain in. in well, you're not gaining because you're already on zero tariff. But say you keep the zero tariff, you're still going to take a 10, 10%, 20% loss on exchange rate fluctuation. Yeah, yeah. And B, much more importantly, is the the sunk cost or the hidden cost in, in delays to uh, deliveries, which um, might not necessarily matter in all sectors, but in many sectors, either you've got products that are time sensitive so you know um food stuffs that will go off yes, or yeah. you know yeah. or um you've got sort of just in time deliveries so it, it's very important that you know exactly when something's going to arrive so yeah. you're already seeing for example i saw i saw um i saw an awful tweet today from from a poor person this poor person saying you know i i rely on materials on a, on, a, on a steady supply of materials from from my supplier in germany uh, and they have now cancelled my order yes. for materials to be delivered after the end of the month because they don't know whether they they, they don't know the regime on which they'll be delivered. So they've yeah. just cancelled the order. So what yeah. the hell am I supposed to do? So for 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 a producer, um, you've you, that you know, you've got all those problems. Yeah. In addition, if you're if you're removing, you know, if you're unilaterally removing a, a tariff, um, but your competitors maintain a tariff on you, boom, you've instantly lost competitiveness. Yes. Yeah. Even if you do get a competitiveness gain in terms of your export 
from um, from an exchange rate. You know, if, if you know th- that exchange rate fluctuation that we were talking about, you might be losing sort of you know five, ten, twenty percent yeah. um, of, of, of the value of the pound. But that then makes what you sell in pounds that much cheaper. That's true. Uh, to to buyers overseas. But then that's being offset by the tariff that they still apply to you. Whereas yeah. they, in selling back to you in the UK, to UK consumers, don't have to pay that. You know, yeah. Rather, the, the buyers don't have to buy, factor that tariff into the cost. So, either, I mean, just, it's just a fucking disaster for British yeah. manufacturing, yeah. British producers. It's, yeah. a, it's an awful idea. Yeah. So there's but, that. Sorry, go on. No, well, but this is, this is the no-deal situation. Uh, we don't yeah. know... I mean, first I should point out that this is um, this is still under wraps. It's not been revealed by the government. There's been rumoured that this is what they're going to do and that they probably will do it if it comes to a no deal, but they haven't yeah. revealed it publicly yet. And uh, it, there was meant to be an announcement last week, I, I think, and it's been kicked down the... You know, the can's been kicked yeah. down the road again, again. on it. Yeah. yeah. And I think they would, they would leave it to the last minute, which would screw... Uh, <laughs> everybody again because you know they need they need to know what's going to happen in a week's time six weeks time it's, it's, it's appalling um, it's appalling yeah. it's appalling i mean if you were a business person why yeah. would any business person ever vote for these people no. again i mean it's just appalling appalling it it's just such it's, it's torturing them i mean it, mm. it's awful who would want to be running a business in in this in this client i'd be off i would be yeah. off if i could you know i would not was want it, to stick uh, around was it boris johnson who said fuck business yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he is fucking very good and hard, isn't he? I mean, really. Yeah. It's oh, just, dear. it's just awful to watch. Yeah. And it's so, ide- you know, it's ideological. I mean, I mean, yes. w- w- with with res- with regards to the the no, the no deal situation, as I said, it's it's a it's a bind. It's a um, uh, rock and a hard place. Uh, um, yeah. But if it was, if it was, if we if we end up getting a deal with uh, the EU, uh, there's a lot of people who. Um, are ideologically attached to free trade um, who would want to slash those tariffs anyway. Um, and, um, you know, that, that is ideological. That's, that's ideological. And it, it's, there's good, you know, having free trade is a fantastic idea and it's a goal that everybody wants to get to, but it's not something that you do overnight. Um, hmm. Because because you you know you have to consult with businesses and see how they're affected and and potentially exactly. potentially uh, um, give them some assistance in in the in the transition to that situation. You don't just leave them hanging overnight. Well, th- so so there's there's the lib- there there are liberal free traders and then there are uh, libertarian um, you know extremists and and we are currently uh, at, the UK's trade policy is currently being run by a libertarian extremist. Yeah. Um, who, who denies that the EU, which is the most, well, I've, I've argued it, it, it's the most progressive, liberal, free trade um, project that the world has seen. I mean, it's incredibly successful well, it uh, is. as a liberal trading, you know, and, and you know, a lot of the criticism of the EU comes from people who say, well, you're, you're excessively liberal, you're, you're, you're excessively in favour of free trade. Who says uh, that? And trade liberalisation. Well, all the TTIP types, for example, and, the, oh, and right, a lot yeah, of the people on the left will say, you know, point. you're what you're doing is, you know, you need to be. You know, yeah. A lot of French farmers, for example, will say, well, we need much tougher defence yeah. of our of our producers and our agriculture and so on. 
So <clears throat> that's a stereotype, but but you know there are plenty of people who will say no. no it's a fair, but I'd kind of forgotten. It's almost like another world before we had Brexit, <laughs> where he had everybody <laughs> exactly. complaining about TTIP, you know, and now yeah. now we've got a horde of people saying, oh, we must have a free trade deal with the USA at whatever cost. Well, that, <laughs> so we're going off a little bit of a tangent, but that exactly. So the other day, so I I posted a little um, thread. So. Okay, here's the thing. So I, I, um, I have a, I have a one of my best friends. Um, I don't know if he's listening. I hope he isn't because I'm about to out him. But one of my, <laughs> one of my best friends, um, is um, works um on the agricultural in the agriculture bit of the European Commission uh, on trade stuff. And I, I won't, I won't go into more details than that. But um, he, uh, he and I have some very interesting chats, and sort of feeds me some stuff that he hears through the, through the grapevine. And one of the things he 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 feeds me is um, there's a there's a periodical um, a, a newsletter uh, sent out by German press um, news agency that, f- that specialises in tra- in trade stuff uh, and, and they write up meetings in Geneva and so on. And uh, because they're a subscription service, copyrighted. I mean, I I can't lift them and I can't you know, but I can I can say well oh I read that this. Um, so I read that, um, and they they reported an, on a, a, a U.S. government document mm-hmm. setting out their negotiating objectives yes. for a free trade agreement with the U.K. And this is public uh, public source um, uh, um, public, public domain. domain. Yeah. So um, it's a USTR document. It's on the USTR U.S. Trade Representative mm-hmm. website. Um, and it um, sets out the objectives that have been thrashed out in the U.S. inter-service process, interdepartmental process, and you've got the U.S. Department of Agriculture setting out what it wants. And this is this this made a lot of news last week when yeah. the Americans made a real push for sort of lower food standards, hygiene standards, and so yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. But it's not just stuff like that. It's also then, for example, a clause saying. Um, that the UK would be obliged to um, refrain from any boycott of Israel, for example. But right. Again, yeah. Classic American sort of. This is what you can do if you've got a joined-up foreign policy. You can you can, <laughs> you, can you can introduce things like that. Um, but also, you know, <laughs> that the Americans would seek to constrain the UK's um, ability to. Diverge from the U.S. dollar. It would, they would, I, I don't know how they would do this, and then, you know, a lot of people were like, "Well, how could they do that?" But ultimately, what they're saying is, "We want you to peg the pound to the dollar." Um, <laughs> Good grief! Now you look at that and you think, "What kind of idiot government would sign up to that?" Would sign up to that and give away that kind of sovereignty? Yeah, um, and that certainly, you know, in in that. The EU would certainly, obviously, never do anything like that. And you'd, you'd like to think that the UK wouldn't do anything mm-hmm. like that. But then you look at who's in charge of UK trade policy. It's Liam Fox yeah. of the Atlantic Bridge, who re- had to resign in disgrace. Let's not forget, dis- disgraced former Defence Secretary Liam Fox. Yeah. Why was he disgraced? Because of his connections to uh, a spad who was, um, you know, Adam Werity, who was sort of deep in with, with the entire libertarian US um, zero tariff slash everything yeah uh, liberalized the um, the NHS you know privatized the NHS all those sort of things so you in that context you think well you know what these th- these things are not far-fetched it's not beyond the the the, the stretch of the imagination that in a fast trade deal 
while this Tory government is still running things, mm. they could sign us up to something so, so, so much worse than TTIP. Yes. In a flash. Yeah. With no, you know, not only would we not have any leverage to resist it because we'd be desperate for a, for a deal, but the people in charge would actively welcome it. They, 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 yeah. they, this is what they want. And, you know, in Europe, you know, TTIP, A, TTIP got binned effectively because of public opposition. Yeah. B, one of the reasons that it was binned was because we weren't getting anywhere because we were simply not prepared to go along with what was being asked of us and they weren't prepared to go along with what we were asking of them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) To what extent do we think that the UK, post-Brexit, is going to, in any way, maintain that, that bar? Yeah. And and you know do we think you know if 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 people aren't prepared to go out and start um, demonstrating and, and 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 engaging in public disobedience and civil civil d- disobedience over Brexit, then are they going to do it over you know the UK TTIP? Mm. So I, that makes me feel very very down, frankly, Jim. Yeah. I, I don't know about you. Well, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I can't contemplate it. Ah. I don't know. I, I I find it very hard to contemplate anything post the 29th of March, really, if if yeah. Brexit goes through. Um, yeah, I'm very down on that. I'm. Um, uh, I don't know. I, I I don't know where I am on the sort of position of what. Where do you think it's going to be after the 29th yeah. of March? Mm. Um, sometimes I'm very upbeat and I think there's no way this Brexit could go through. You know, mm. it'll be stopped somehow, and then, and then other times mm. I think, okay, they're they're just going to settle on May's deal. Um, I know, yeah. No, I feel the same way. I mean, for me, so I mean, just before we leave the whole TTIP thing, I mean, yeah. I was just going to say that if the UK did go go down that path, of course, what 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 that then means is that it then becomes almost impossible for the UK to sign a deal with the EU. Yeah. You know, to, yeah. to, to, that, that would that would favour it as as, as uh, you know access to the single market. It would be a real it would be a real challenge for that. Yeah. <sighs> sorry, sorry. I just had to add that final little. Um, that would of, add another ten years to negotiations or something, well, wouldn't it? Until until Corbyn comes along and bins the US deal. But <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Jesus. Uh. But no. Um, so yeah, what you were saying about? Do you know? I think. I think I have. Well, where I am currently, and it does also it also changes day to day. But where I am currently is, I think we're going to. Um, I think mentally, I've 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 allowed myself to believe that we're not leaving on the 29th of March. That there's going to be an extension. I think, but it does seem likely that um, that late late May seems to be a pretty hard deadline. Um, and that being so, you know, you're facing, and, and you look at the way that Theresa May has been. You were saying earlier about um, dropping all tariffs mm. being a, a, a great way of giving away all negotiating leverage. Yeah. As if, as if, as if this government wouldn't give away all its negotiating leverage. Given the, given the, the current, you don't get uh, a, yeah, you don't get a better way of ditching your negotiating leverage than going for no deal. Because all no deal means is that the morning after you leave the EU, 
you go back to the negotiating table with no leverage because yeah. you're not going to just freeze things status quo day after Brexit. You need it's, a deal. Well, well exactly. I, I, you're going to go back to the EU, the UK government going to go back to the EU, and it's going to be exactly the same as it was the day before. They're going to... Exactly. The, 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 the Northern Ireland issue is still going to be there. The backstop yeah, and, is and, still going to yeah. be... The backstop will still be there. The yeah. bill will still be there, but mounting by the day. Mm. And all, all leverage is gone. Because what what you know, everybody knows they've got you. They've got you over the barrel. Some of the Brexiters say that uh, oh, we won't have to pay the thirty nine billion with no deal. We will save that. Um, and I, as I understand it, it's, it's, uh, some of that money is is related to the transition period, isn't it? But but the bulk of it is to do with the the pensions mm. and the and all the other accrued costs for projects that have. Uh, or in the in the budget, so um, we yeah, st- would yeah. still have to pay. I think the Attorney General yeah. has has actually uh, said in the House of Commons, he said, "No, we we will still have to pay. We're obliged." To oh pay. yeah, we can't yeah. have that as a as a as, as a, some kind of uh, leverage at all. Oh no, 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 not at all. No, no, absolutely not. And of course, it would be. Um, I mean, it's the opposite of leverage. Mm. <laughs> it's the opposite of leverage because what it is 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 a bar to reopening negotiations because the very first thing that the EU says. When you turn up to say, okay, okay, we're in trouble here. We really need a deal quickly so that we can get things moving again. Great, gives us sixty-nine billion or whatever yeah. it is. Yeah, of course, thirty-nine. Yeah, thirty-nine or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Math isn't my strong point. Oh God. So Jim, uh, I, I nearly called you Steve there because I'm so used uh, to talking to Steves. Um, yeah. Can we just very quickly, before we move to lie of the week, um, go back to a favor, a classic, a, a, a trade classic, which is Article Twenty Four, Gat Article Twenty Four. Uh, so I talked about this with um, with Dmitri Grozobinsky the other week, but it's still there. It's still it's still being floated. So yeah. tell, tell us a bit about that. Okay. Well, well, first of all, um, explain what Article Twenty Four is. So um, we're talking about GATT, mm. which is the uh, General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, which is basically the rule book of the WTO. And Article 1 of um, GATT is the most favoured nation rule. And under that rule, you have to treat every other member of uh, the WTO um, with the same level of favour. So that's why it's called most favoured nation. It used mm. to be that you could, you could assign most favoured nation to one particular nation. But under the WTO, you have to assign that level of favour to, to, to all countries. Mm. So, so that's the basic rule of the WTO. And Article 24 is where you can have an exception to that or exceptions to that. And the two exceptions listed in there are free trade agreements and customs unions. And um, it seems to be a favourite of uh, Brexiters that um, they think that uh, it is kind of like a get-out-of-jail card. Yeah. for not having a deal with the EU. Um, and Nigel Farage uh, said this on the radio the other day, that if we have no deal, we can trigger um, Article 24 and it'll be no problem whatsoever. We can carry on with the same uh, no tariffs that we have with the EU mm. for two years. This is what he says. Whereas mm. um, other people talk about a 10-year period. Um, and this is this is all based on a basic misunderstanding of of that Article Twenty Four, because uh, you can 
um, it, it states you can you can either sign up to a full free trade agreement or you can have an interim agreement. Um, and in a, a note related to this article, um, it says that this uh, interim agreement can last for around about 10 years. It's not specifics. It kind of says around about 10 years. Um, and basically you would have an interim agreement whereby everything would be in place as if it was a full trade agreement, but you hadn't basically signed it off. Um, And um, this, of course, means that you need an actual agreement. So it's not that we we split from the EU, we're in a no-deal situation, and then we can all of a sudden trigger Article 24. In order to trigger, and I kind of use hand air quotes, quotes, (laughs) exactly, uh, you need an actual agreement of some kind, a full agreement with all the details in it. Um, so it's a load of crap, really. <laughs> and yet they yeah. persist with it. They keep going on it. And this has been pointed out by so many people. The EU, I, the, the EU, WTO, the UK yep. government. <laughs> the UK government. Theresa May in the House of Commons uh, shot down Owen Paterson, I think it was, uh, yeah. when he asked the question about this. Liam Fox in a, in a committee, in a select committee, was asked about this by one of the, one of the MPs there. And uh, he said, no, it doesn't apply. And all of these people have said this, and yet we still get someone like uh, David Campbell-Bannerman, who's uh, a Tory MEP, who thinks it's this get-out-of-the-jail card. And it was hilarious the other day, actually, because he, he put up on Twitter um, a little meme of um, him stood next to a kind of um, one of those smash-the-glass-in-case-of-emergency things, and it has said <sighs> Article 24. You know, what a It was like, no deal, smash the glass, Article 24, we'll be fine. And um, unicorns, yeah, and uh, uh, Coppertain, uh, Peter Ungvacorn. Uh, I think I've got that right. <laughs> apologies, yeah, to gonna... <laughs> apologies to Peter, apologies to Peter. But anyway, he put up a kind of reply meme which had uh, that same picture but with a hammer attached to it, and it said, Free trade agreement, you have to have an actual free trade agreement in order to hit this um, break the glass thing. <laughs> So it was, that was uh, that was thing, but I think I think Campbell Bannerman is, is is a a candidate for lie of the week because he, he just he just says this all the time. So it's actually more than lie of the week. It, just, it doesn't matter how many people explain to him that it doesn't apply. He keeps going on with it, and in yeah. fact, I think um, he blocked Peter um, just the other day. <laughs> of course, yes, of course, yeah. because you know we've had enough of experts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. So, uh, well, why don't we? I think we should just. We already had one lie of the week, which was IDS. Yeah. Um, so let's let's make let's make Campbell Bannerman our second lie of the week. Um, okay. Because the GATT twenty fourth, it just won't. It just won't fucking die. It's. Um, no. It is. It is depressing how. Um, I mean. <laughs> I, I, it's it's pure cakeism. It's cakeism. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't it? Because they want to have an agreement, but they don't want an agreement. So they they want no deal, yeah. but they want deal, oh, and yeah. they want to pretend that there's. Let's all pretend there's a deal. And You're the idea, right. even even if, so even if Article Twenty Four was real in the way that they think it's real, you'd still need the other side to say, yeah, we agree. Yeah. Exactly. This is what we're going. This is, let's all pretend that we've got this FTA all lined up and ready to implement. Exactly, you can't but do it unilaterally. Just, yeah, you've just walked out on the deal. Exactly, and as we and said earlier... And you're expecting the people... Yeah. As I said earlier, the very first 
thing that will happen the next day is to say, okay, yeah. let's try and get this this deal. You you can't you can't suddenly have it. You can't suddenly have this no tariff situation. No, you can't have a deal and no deal. No. And um, not only is it pure cakeism, but it's also absolutely classic Brexit or exceptionalism because these people think it's 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 like the German car makers all over yeah. again. Yeah, uh, they 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 these people think. Oh, well, you know what? The morning after, the European economy will suffer such an incredible shock from suddenly losing its, ac- its access to um, tipped and jams or whatever, you know, <laughs> that they're going to bang down the doors and say, please, please, please come back. We'll give you anything that you want. Let's pretend that we've got a free trade deal and you can all have zero tariffs. Yeah. I don't, I, it's madness. I, it's, it's almost, I, I don't know, it's like they can't put themselves in the, body, in the mind of the other party. But that's situation. exactly it. That's exactly yeah. it. They are they are a group of people who have no empathy. They they no. don't. It's it's you know I was, the other lie of the week that I was going to do, and I decided maybe I shouldn't even give the guy the oxygen of publicity. But let's do it now because it's relevant. Is Lilico? Okay. Uh, Andrew Lilico, that 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 famed Kiwi economist uh, from yeah. Tufton Street, and yeah. and he went off on a quite incredible rant this week, um, a blut and borden kind of. Britain is so special. Britain is so magical. We have a, a, a you know a, a, a divine mission to civilize the planet. We are. We, we, I wake up every morning and, and and feel emotional about being British. And sometimes I imagine myself into the minds of of these lefties and Remainers who don't understand what special and and what a sad. I, I felt so sad when I realized what awful dull lives these poor people must lead when when they don't think that we're special and this is um this is this is this this, this is Bre- the brexit mentality in a nutshell it's, it's this incapacity to understand that just because you don't think britain's exceptional doesn't mean you don't see the good in it and the beauty in it and don't have an emotional affinity to it, it just means that you also see that other things are also wonderful and yeah. You know, imagine being that guy Lilico who doesn't sort of get the the exceptional in an Italian hill town, and, and yeah. or, or, or you know, uh, <laughs> I I just don't I don't no, get I, it. I I I I found it very odd. I, I tell you what it reminded me of. It's um, I told you earlier that uh, you know I used to be involved in the skeptics and argue with creationists, mm. and I found that people who professed a personal relationship with Jesus. Mm kind of use that same sort of phraseology with yeah. atheists they would say well you're an atheist you can't see the beauty in the world yeah. Yeah. you know yeah and, and yeah. I, I don't know if there's something similar there well, Lil- that's what it made i think there immediately, is yeah that's what i thought because lilico anyway. i think lilico lilico is um a bit of a fundamentalist evangelical right. actually oh is he i didn't know that you know what we should do one day we should, we should on. have a massive we should have a massive trade expert party. We should get you and Dimitri and Steve and... Um, oh, I'd love that. <laughs> it'd be awesome, wouldn't it? We'll I get have, everybody in. And Yeah, I have met up with a few, I mean, Steve included, I met up with a few people who were on, on Twitter and uh, it was really enjoyable. It, it, it actually kind of felt, the last meeting I had, um, it felt it felt like almost you were in, in a moment in history. I don't know, I don't know how to describe yeah. it. Like you were there at... at um, I don't know the the revolution in Russia or something like that. It felt it felt, it felt like a momentous 
moment something was going on in the world you know and we were part well, of I think it. that's true I do I do think that's true I mean who knows where it's all going to end up but I think people will look back on these these sort of couple of years uh, and that some of these conversations that we've been having and I, yeah. mean, it's, I think we are living through something I mean I, I kind of wish that we weren't well I do wish well, that we weren't but we I, are. I th- it's probably going to be called the age of stupid or something though isn't it I mean <laughs> with yeah. with all the the garbage you know with with Trump here and sorry Trump over there and, and Brexit here mm. I think that's what it's going to be known as the the, the age of the know nothings or something like that well, I mean, I, I think so. And I, th- I'm, I especially think that people are going to look back and say, what the fuck were they doing at a time when really they were right at the end of the window for tackling climate change? Climate change. And, and this is what they wasted their time on. I mean, well, that, exactly that's that. a thought that depresses me, I must say. Uh, mm. That, indeed. I mean, I, you're absolutely right there. It's, um, that is the mm. thing that we should really be focusing on, not all this crap. Yeah, um, so, um, so ending on a bit of a downer there, but <laughs> yeah, oh, well. yeah, yeah. Cool. Anyway, listen, Jim. Thanks so much. Um, well, thank we'll you. Keep seeing each other on Twitter. Um, you are. You can be found on. I mean, nobody listening to this isn't going to know who you are, but um, just for the sake of uh, yeah, I'm I'm Jim underscore Cornelius. <laughs> at sorry, I should have prefixed that at Jim underscore Cornelius. Yeah, and what I'm going to do is I'll create a little guest page for you uh, on the podcast website so people can find you there. Well, fantastic. Great. <laughs> All right. Listen, right. thanks Thanks very much. Um, Thank you. Come back again one day, and in the meantime, um, good night. Good night. Bye-bye. the wrong way. going to have to stop. The secret was They can't expose them all Going up the wrong way We're going to have to stop A scenic song A natural loss They can't